nowadays I just think like what have I done like all this time why can't I like just do these little things and think take the time to think Mm -hmm. I think corona has made a few people think hi you're listening to at home in the mind with me Vika this podcast was originally going to be called on the road in the mind as in February I set off to spend the last two years of my 20s traveling the world Two years, however, quickly turned to seven weeks as the world plummeted into crisis following the coronavirus pandemic. For me, this was a huge loss, not only because discovering the world has been something I've always wanted to do, but also because I have come to believe it essential for my mental health. Much of my 20s was spent only looking out for others, totally neglecting myself in the process. As I have slowly been re-emerging and gaining self-awareness, talking to friends and family, I have realized that everyone at some point or other in life deals with major or minor mental health issues. Now that billions around the world are stuck in their homes, many unsure how to cope in isolation, I decided to invite some for a chat to talk through current or past issues and resolutions. My hope is that by sharing these conversations, someone suffering miles away will feel less alone and better able to help themselves. The more we know, the better we can equip ourselves with the tools we need to heal and seek help. Welcome to the seventh episode of At Home in the Mind. May has proven quite chilly here in the UK, but the sun seems to be coming out slowly, which is nice. I don't know if you can hear the birds, but they're out in full force today, enjoying the sunshine. But yes, on to my next guest. I can't express enough how honoured I am to have had Dr Jaya on the show. Jaya was a senior house officer at Queen Mary's before she was redeployed to Imperial College Hospital in London to treat COVID patients. Juggling fighting COVID and her PhD, I simply cannot tell you how grateful I was that she would spend her precious free time talking to me. As such, I wanted to provide her with a worthwhile distraction We did speak about her job and experiences on the front line for the first half. But as you can imagine, this is something she talks about every day. So I wanted to put her in the um, interviewer seat for the second half. And so I talk a little more than usual. Actually, at one point, I even waffle on about some sky survey and completely made up the data on the spot so i would like to correct that now it was actually a survey commissioned by the royal society of art and the food foundation which suggests that only nine percent of britons want life to return to normal after the coronavirus outbreak is over i've put the link to the article in the description below now that i fixed that awful blunder sorry as always i'd like to stipulate that we can only talk from our own perspectives fully aware that mental health issues affect everyone in different ways see you at the end of the episode let's start then shall we Jaya, welcome on to the show. Hi, thanks, Swigs. Thanks so much for coming on, and especially, you know, you have so much to do, so thank you. It's all right, it's my pleasure. First, could you introduce yourself a little to the listeners first, what you do and what what it looks like when you go on a shift? What's a typical shift for you? Right, Uh, so my name's Jaya Roy Chowdhury. I am a junior doctor. Well, I still consider myself junior doctor, even though I have moved past F1 and F2. So I used to be working as a senior house officer in uh, St. Mary's doing vascular surgery and recently started a PhD at Imperial. 
However, I've been redeployed back to NHS due to the current situation. So I am a senior house officer on the surgical floor in St. Mary's. And we sort of have uh, wards on our floor that are surgical. And then there are wards that are purely for COVID patients. So they're basically patients who had a surgical problem, but also have COVID. And on the same floor, there are some COVID wards, actually one dedicated COVID ward. That changes and that's that's quite challenging. So I'll, I'll go over what the uh, day-to-day job entails. So we have been broken up into shift works. So we mostly do the long days. 8 p.m. to 8 a.m. So those are night shifts. Right. So at the moment, I'm, I'm quite blessed because I have this week off. And because I came onto the roster a bit later than everyone else because I was redeployed from PhD, mm-hmm. I was mostly on standby as a float. So if anybody was ill or whatever, then the, the uh, line manager would call me and ask me to come in. Okay. So if it's a day shift, we would go in at eight and we'd start the ward round with the consultant, a medical consultant. We'd see all the patients and we'll make all the daily changes. So that's not really any different to how we would do our day-to-day work before COVID. But mm-hmm. what has changed drastically for myself is going from a surgical job into a very, very medical job. So that's yeah. what's changed drastically for me. The other change is sometimes not doing anything is what we do for a lot of our patients. And that's quite scary because we are used to acting on every little thing or alarming stuff that we see on the Mm -hmm. ward. And during this time, there's not much we can do. So, yeah. So you have treated COVID patients? Yes, yes, I have. Yeah. And when you say there's nothing much you can do for them, is that because there's lack of resources or they've just passed the point where there's something you can do? So basically for patients with coronavirus, once they start deteriorating, there's it's not because of lack of resources or because, um, well, we basically can't medically do anything else for them. The virus does not act like any other viruses where you can give them antiviral, antibacterials mm-hmm. and you expect them to get better. This, unfortunately, is not the situation at the moment. So most of our treatments actually are supportive. Right. Supportive meaning you give you support whatever they are lacking and if they are hypoxic, meaning they lack oxygen, we give them oxygen. If they need fluids, we give them fluids, so on and so forth. Rather than treating them like a normal disease that you'd have cures for, Sure. And how has that affected you from being a surgeon Yeah, where it's very clear cut what you're meant to be fixing to to this? It must be a a strange transition. Well, okay. firstly, like I I said, I'm a very, very junior surgeon. But however, like you rightly mentioned, in surgery, we have a problem and the solution is to do such and such. Yes, it's, it's quite difficult to accept sometimes. So, for instance, there was this one patient that one of my consultants walked up to and told him that there's not much we can do after this point. And he was agile mentally and he was requiring a lot of oxygen. So usually the patients we've come across who are in this position are those who are probably intubated in ITU or are not really there mentally. So they they, they don't really feel the need to register that they are going to pass away. Whereas I think that was quite a shock when uh, you see a patient who is completely with it. And yeah. 
you know, having to see your senior walk up. And I think what I think consultants have a very, very difficult job because of this, because they are the ones having to break this news. We, on the other end, we speak to the families and it's, it's, it's really, really sad when we have to speak to them because a lot of the times, or most of the times, they can't even come and see them. But that's the most difficult part mm. where they ask, when can we come and visit? What are the rules? And then you just, unfortunately, you can't. And if you do, then it's half an hour and then you have to self-isolate. And Yeah. Yeah, it's very complicated. Has anyone tried to be with their loved ones through screens oh, during yes, that yeah. sort of time? Yeah, so we, we do have tablets, iPads at Imperial, where we can dial in and then they speak to the family members. And how are you and your colleagues managing this? Are there sort of certain tools in place for you that you can use to help with the stress? I think, uh, yes, we, we get regular emails about mental health and well-being. And I think we've been quite blessed here in the UK where everyone's been very kind in giving us uh, a lot of goodies in terms of like we get food, we get snacks and things like that uh, donated by a lot of the people in the community. And that's like our joy and what we look yeah. forward to after a, a very hectic day or the day-to-day -day work is not as rigorous or aggressive because, like I said before, even if the patients are very ill, it's mostly a lot of community stuff and a lot of communication, a lot of doing admin stuff like communicating with the nursing homes to repatriate people and things like that. So mm -hmm. I've come back from being a senior house officer to almost like foundation year one level, which is basically at the level at which you do a lot of administrative work. So, sorry, coming back to the point, yes, we do have a lot of support from the community and as well as from the inside itself. It's, it's incredible to hear what it's, what it's actually like because yeah. when you're not in the hospital all the time, which most of us are trying to avoid the hospital, yeah, you have an idea of what's going on, but you can't possibly realise how often it's going on, how actually it's affecting people. And um, Elaborating on that, before I, I got redeployed, I was hearing from my colleagues that, oh, you know, I'm dealing with these corona patients, this, that. But it wasn't until I started early in April that it really did kind of hit me that this is real. I remember going on my first shift and I had to take bloods from a COVID positive patient and I was actually freaking out because I was... I was really scared that oh, I'm going to be actually really close in close contact with a patient who is definitely COVID positive. So yes, I did take all my precautions. But even after that, there was a lingering feeling. I think another really scary thing that happened, I was on surgical on call nights and it was quite busy because we were getting like I was looking after Basically, my seniors, they are all from different specialties, but I would be the junior who they, they would go to. 
So uh, say there's an orthopedic patient who is in the emergency department, the orthopedic registrar would call me and say, let's go see this patient or the general surgery registrar would say, hey, there's a... So basically there were a lot of specialties, which is not the usual case before COVID, which wasn't Mm -hmm. the usual case before COVID. I remember it was quite busy because there were quite a few orthopedic patients or quite a few general surgery patients. And my registrar asked me to go bring an NG tube from the recovery, which is basically right next to the theatres. And because of COVID, the architecture of the department's completely changed Mm -hmm. and the recovery has now become an ITU. And yes, they did put up the poster on the doors, but, you know, when you're rushing, you don't really look that carefully. And it was all blue and the gray backgrounds. So it was all kind of merged together. And I wasn't sure what was going on. So I remember just like frantically walking in. And I was basically in an ITU where nurses were in hazmats and like patients were prone. And luckily, I didn't go too far in. And I remember a nurse just like shouting at me, back off, get out. And I realized that, you know, back in the day when it was no COVID, you don't mm-hmm. think and you just go wherever but I remember really really freaking out that day but good thing is Imperial had offered asymptomatic staff testing right so I did that and my swab was negative so that was a good thing good that's 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 great speaking of all those fears you might have on a daily basis do you feel like you have enough PPE enough protection to help you manage that fear and feel safe This is a question that like, I think everyone's talking a lot about and talking about the right personal protective gear guidelines. And yes, the NHS is following a certain guideline, such as just the apron, the face mask and the gloves, the surgical face mask. And I remember in the beginning of this whole situation, one of my friends who is a psychiatrist at Maudsley Kings, she was telling me how they wear the full length aprons like the long-sleeved aprons and they have a face shield etc even when they go to interact with patients and that's because they have uh, interactions with psychiatric patients who might spit into their faces etc right. right. so i i was a bit scared that they had all these protective gears and i don't i just have a bin liner thin apron <laughs> is it really going to do anything but yeah frankly at, at the end of the day if you go back to basics as long as it's protecting and shielding you against bodily fluids or air droplets if you are in an aerosol generating area it it should be enough nobody knows the right answer until you know a randomized control trial is done yeah but i think that we have enough face masks i've not faced a shortage yet Um, you feel safe uh it's a very difficult question um i i don't app 100% feel safe because I know that there are shortages and maybe the guidelines are drawn based on not having FFP3 masks available for everyone Mm -hmm. or like not having those hazmats for everyone because I see my friends in Philippines and like Singapore and Malaysia who are like in these (laughs) like they look like astronauts basically and and here I am in my bin liner and my surgical mask so yes I'm I Honestly, I don't I don't feel completely safe, but given that I have had a negative swab, maybe there's some merit to it. Yeah. Well. And how do you manage that fear when you're faced with it when you're working? A. And B, what do you do to wind down when you're home and and you're away from work? Okay, answering part A, I think I've always had this let's get on with this attitude. 
and if something's going to happen, it's going to happen. So I think I've I've just had that attitude in life, and mm-hmm. um, uh, I just do it and then <laughs> see what the outcome is. And I think that has helped. One of my colleagues was saying, well, I'm going to get COVID. And I was actually very convinced I was going to get it because mm-hmm. you have so much contact. There was a whole week where I was only on the COVID ward, right. 12 hours a day, four days a week. Wow. And I, I was pretty sure that I'd contracted it, but my immune system is healthy enough to fight it. But then when I got the negative swab, I was like, well, okay, <laughs> it wasn't too bad. So that's the way I tackle it and how I wind down. I think during this period, I've had a lot of time to reflect on things that I haven't been able to achieve. Like, for instance, I wanted to get in a certain shape and I wanted to run slash walk 10 kilometers. Mm-hmm. I'd never done that. I got around to maybe five, maybe six, but I'd never really got to the 10K mark and I've been... Mm-hmm trying to do that a bit more on my off days and watching a lot of self-help YouTube videos has helped. So what sort of self-help? I've been reflecting about things that I haven't particularly achieved in life and I want to be able to concentrate on those aspects, such as uh, being a bit more disciplined with uh, my lifestyle, not eating as much junk as I used to. So yeah, cooking at home and just basically videos that will keep me a bit motivated videos such as i don't know this is going to sound really cheesy but like the rock says a few motivational <laughs> things and muhammad ali and you yeah. know just those kind of really cheesy yeah. corny stuff well but the rock yes. is really funny as well so it, it must, be, must be really relaxing as well just to watch a funny guy just going dwayne going johnson on. oh my god <laughs> and it's, he's quite good to look at as well so. <laughs> some nice (laughs) well yes we all need that during this lockdown period don't we (laughs) and where are you locked down and and who with so i'm in my apartment in watford with my partner who's also a key worker he is a uh, train driver with tfl we try and not talk about corona at all he there was a time where he was obsessed with looking at the number of deaths in the uk but most of our conversations are we try and not talk about COVID-19. Yeah. I mean, you're yeah. facing it. You're actually facing it every day. So when you get home, I'm sure that's the last thing you want to talk about. Oh, yes. And and as a doctor, you get like asked about corona 24-7 from like relatives and friends, which is, sure. which is fair enough because we are supposed to be people who are the most informed because we're treating those patients. But uh, I'd like to talk about other things than corona. <laughs> Yes. Yeah. Well, I'm going to bother you with one more Corona no, question. Go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, <laughs> before we move on, and this is just purely my curiosity, so I'm sorry. But no, seeing no. as you basically see Corona every day, what do you think of the government's new confusing guidelines? <laughs> <sighs> yes. Well. We, we talk about these guidelines all the time at work and it's, it's actually funny. Actually, I'm going to tell you a funny story about this one patient Please do. And, then, and then we'll take it from there. So basically, I had a patient who was positive for COVID-19 in March and then she had a negative swab end of April and then she came into a COVID positive ward. And I phoned the microbiologist and I asked her, like, look, why is a COVID negative patient in a COVID ward? Isn't that dangerous for the patient because sure. uh, she's yeah. just become negative she's gonna or he or she is gonna get it back and they basically replied saying this is a consultant replied saying 
the guideline is just changing as of today as we speak. So let me get back to you about this and we will take it from there. For now, What? just keep the patient in the side room because they could be in the virus shedding period. So it's better not to put that patient in the green zone. So the reason why I tell you this story is because already there's so much confusion about treatment and patient allocation towards trying to come up with guidelines to educate a large public can be so challenging. And yes, it's just, it's easier to just be like, no lockdown, 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 just like India is doing. Like India is just locked down everywhere. Uh, even like Amazon's not even delivering non-essentials in oh, India. Wow. So okay. that, that's where my mom is currently. And um, she, she told me she went to run in the park and police came chasing her out. And so you can't even exercise. So wow. And if you want to exercise, you can only exercise on the road. I think it is super challenging, but I, I think it is quite, it's so confusing for the public. I don't even, oh, yeah. Let's move on then. I don't want to bore you anymore with stuff you have to deal <laughs> with right. every day. <laughs> you kindly said that you listened to a few, few of the episodes, which is, I'm so touched that you did. And I was wondering if there's anything from those that you related to or you heard that you want to talk about or ask me just so that the spotlight is off of you and you can grill me for a little yeah. bit. <laughs> <laughs> um, I actually wanted to ask you about, you know, you, you mentioned how this, these two years were going to be your life-changing years and like where you actually focused on yourself and, you know, you've just suddenly been slapped with this With this pandemic, you obviously started off 2020 thinking this is going to be my year and, you know, I'm going to... How how are you feeling now? <laughs> well, I'll start this off by saying that I wasn't the only one who was like, 2020 is my year. <laughs> I think most people had that thought. Um, there was something so dreary about 2019 that everyone was just pumped for 2020 and uh so now we uh, wish 2019 would come back <laughs> yeah now we're like wait wait <laughs> <laughs> that it wasn't as bad but to be honest with you it's very interesting because i think i find it hard to reflect properly so i'm very good at closing off emotions and like you said just getting on with it Where I struggle is where there's indecision, where I don't know which way to turn. You know, there are things in place which mean that I'm sort of stuck in between two things and I am lost. But when a decision has been made, I just roll with it. So the decision was made for me. You've got to come home. And so therefore, this is your life now. These are the consequences. And because I grew up in Russia, the Russians have a great saying, which basically, if something doesn't go your way, There's a reason for it, whatever that may that may have been. You may not have actually had the best time or something tragic might have happened or, or this is just better. <laughs> And this will actually lead you to what you were looking for. So I very much take the stance that I try to go with the flow as much as possible. But I think sometimes in bulldozing so hard with, oh, that was the decision. Let's go, let's go. What's the new plan, etc. Tick all those boxes and let's just go on with life. In bulldozing this uh, so hard, I think at times I do forget to reflect properly and properly process the emotions that came with 
whatever the fallout was beforehand. So a short answer is I don't think I've processed it yeah. properly yet. But I'm very content with the decisions I've made given the context. And yeah, you've you've done you're doing such an amazing thing just doing these podcasts. So closing questions yes yes let's do that yeah what do you miss most about pre-isolation I guess for you it's different this question is rings different to you because you are having to go to work every day there's not that sort of lockdown cabin fever feeling but what what was the big difference pre-isolation to now that you distinctly feel or remember that you miss I think the most blase thing to say would be the gym like I I miss it so much it's not even funny like I remember like thinking to myself that oh you know before corona I would just like skip a day or two I'll go tomorrow and now you Mm -hmm. can't so many people buying home gym equipment and it's just not the same because when you go to the gym you see other people working out and so on so I think yeah the gym and the mall I absolutely hate online shopping so I actually (laughs) want to go touch some clothes (laughs) And what are you most grateful for during this time? Has it allowed you to do things you haven't been able to do previously? I think the top most would be health. I'm, I'm most grateful that I am healthy. The most grateful for being able to have the honor to practice medicine that, so that I can actually go to work. And I won't say I make a difference because that's like going too far because I'm still quite junior. I would say at least contribute to helping NHS help people. I um, wouldn't. I'm sorry. I have to interrupt. <laughs> what the hell are you saying? Of course you're contributing. What is this? Junior, senior? Uh, it doesn't matter. You're you're helping COVID patients. I don't. It doesn't matter what level you are. You you're there. You're making a huge difference. You are. I, well, I see it in a way that. Um, if I'm not the primary decision maker or if I'm not um, the one actively carrying out, well, I do write prescriptions and I do make some decisions, but like, um, I think I have a long way to go before I can say I'm actively making a difference. So, okay. Okay. But take this, right. <laughs> yeah. If, okay. If we, if we go from by the perspective that you're presenting, if you just take a brain that makes all the decisions a brain in itself can do fuck all. It can just sit there and make decisions. But those decisions can't be enacted whatsoever. Because yeah. it's the just a squishy brain. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sitting on a table, just... <laughs> so I will only feel worthy once I'm that squishy brain. <laughs> oh my God. And, you know, you are part of the many mechanisms of the body that help to execute that decision. You know, without all those different mechanisms, the brain is just a squishy blob on a table. <laughs> well, you've, you've drawn a very good analogy, actually. No, no I'm not being sarcastic at all because I'm really bad at sarcasm. But I'm, this, is, this is quite interesting. <laughs> this has changed my view about this. Okay, so I am making some sort of yes. difference, I guess. Making a big um, difference. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna keep pushing that. 
Um, sorry, but I interrupted you. Um, no, that's fine. Has this time allowed you to do things you haven't been able to do previously? Yeah, like I said before, um, I'm cooking a bit more and eating a bit healthier. And that's because there are a few days that I have off in the middle where I'm not really doing other things like going to the gym or going shopping and things so that allow me to do those things and the simple things like even applying moisturizer to your heels or like you know based, like showering in the correct way and actually <laughs> using my loofah for a change and exfoliating like I mean nowadays I just think like what have I done like all this time why can't I like just do these little things and think take the time to think mm-hmm. I think corona has made a few people think um especially one of them yeah i i agree i think a lot of people have you know me included have actually it's allowed people to step back take a breath and be like what have i been neglecting in myself because i've been so incredibly busy and i definitely think at the beginning of the lockdown especially when this was all new people were definitely realizing that and taking a step back. And I think I could be wrong. I'll have to double check. But I think like Sky did a survey as well to all their customers or to a lot of their customers and asked them if you could go back to the way things were before lockdown, the the busyness, the working, the not working from home, everything else, would you want to go back? And I think it was about 70% said no. I'm actually quite enjoying this. Yeah. <laughs> Apart from like not being able to see my friends. Obviously, sure. Like, yeah. But, uh, you know, the quietness on the streets and mm. like, you know, um, I think it's a bit different for me because I, like you said before, that I still get to go to work. But yeah, I mean, it's quite nice just being indoors. Have you discovered anything new during this time that keeps your spirits up? I would say uh, reconnecting a little bit to my roots and not being so mainstream and... Western, like for instance, my brother recommended me to read this book called The Indian Renaissance mm-hmm. and uh, just just making a little bit more time to read outside my medical field. <laughs> so yeah. Widening your horizons. Basically. Yes, exactly. There you yeah. go. That's lovely. Okay. And this question is also very silly because there's no way that this is actually how it's going to happen. But imagine that COVID suddenly, poof, disappeared. Uh, yeah. In that oh. sort of environment, what is the first thing you would do? Go on holiday. <laughs> we had booked a holiday for Bali and oh, that oh, got wow. cancelled. I had bought so many bikinis for that holiday. <laughs> and I was planning to take so many model-esque photos. Yeah. So yeah. I think that's one thing I still would want to do. Yeah. My sister went for three months last year to Bali. Three months? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, but, my God. And she loved it. She absolutely loved it. Well, um, I love Bali. I've been twice before and I still want to go back. But can't imagine what you do for three months. She was able to to really relax. I think she just needed that time for herself away yeah. from all the stresses that London had for her and really have that downtime and reconnect with herself and and stuff and it did did wonders it was really good for her and I think it's similar to what I experienced in Puerto Rico but I think what Puerto Rico allowed me to do is because and I think what Bali allowed my sister to do is because every problem that's so present in one location and that location being so far away you actually are able to distance yourself far enough that you can reflect better because those stresses aren't constantly in your vicinity. You can step back from them and look at them 
from the outside instead of being inside, inside. And uh-huh. turmoiled by them all the time. I don't think everyone needs this, but definitely for me and my sister, it's very clear that once a year, we probably require to be somewhere completely new for a few months just to be able to properly reflect. Were you in Puerto Rico without Jamie? Or Yeah. And, and how long were you there? Well, I was meant to be there for two months and then move on to Costa Rica. But I think I was there for like six weeks in the end. Six weeks is still a long time. And how did... Like, seriously, this is for my own understanding. So has Jamie also taken like time out like this and gone and while you are not on holiday with him? He can't really because of his band. So because there are four of them, it's not like he's a solo musician and can do whatever he likes. (laughs) They're a band. They have to be together. They have to rehearse together, all that kind of stuff. But they have gone on tour together. So they've gone like on tour in Europe and stuff like that. And how Uh, long would that be for? guess a month a month and a bit but we've been together so long and have had so many different variations of long distance that uh we're 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 pros at it now it's not a problem I think when you have absolute trust in a person and you are completely open and honest and they are your best friend in that sense then it's easy it's hard because you miss them but there isn't that paranoia Um, I think the missing is okay it's the paranoia yeah Absolutely. Yeah, and, and does that come with time or does that just like were you it like that with it comes it comes with it comes with time because it comes in building confidence and trust and losing the fear of saying what you feel. Because a lot of people are too afraid to say, I miss you so much that it's making me really worry that something's wrong or you've been acting x y and z that's making me feel worry you know all those things people some people just fear to say those things because they don't want the person to think they're crazy think they're crazy or to push them away but actually if you don't say those things and you leave it all internalized then it gets worse and your fears are never calmed then you're never reassured so the paranoia increases because you make up these stories in your in your head that aren't actually true you know and then the person's like what the what what the fuck like I don't even know where this is coming from because you didn't say anything to me so yeah it just comes from treating from learning to treat the person as you would your best friend because you wouldn't retain any of this information from your best friend if your best friend was acting weird you'd go up to them and you'd be like you're acting weird has something happened is it me is it not me so it's really that. But that and that comes with time. You don't become best friends with people immediately. Even if you yeah. have a, a romantic connection to someone, doesn't mean you're automatically best friends. So Thank you for thinking of me uh, in to incorporate me in this journey of yours because I feel quite honoured actually <laughs> that you thought of me and I'm honoured that you have you have you've had time for me and that you're you're willing to do this. Oh, um, that's, that's fine. I have one last question before. Yes, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah. What is your number one survival tip? And by that I mean for mental health, not yeah. COVID. <laughs> so I do this. Although, although if you have a number one survival tip for COVID, maybe some I don't. people need it. <laughs> um, so can you be a little bit more specific? Survival so, tip for so for just keeping sane. 
for example, last week, Carlos talked about staying away from your phone, not being on social media so much. Okay. Because um, that, that really affects him. Someone else said walks, daily walks, could not keep sane without actually yeah. the advantage of the uh, daily exercise that they're allowed. That sort of thing. Okay. I think it's difficult to give one survival tip for everyone, but I think what helps me is having goals. Like when I wake up in the morning, I want to have certain goals goals for the day and goals for life I think Mm -hmm. that just keeps you focused on that path and then you can ward off all the extra anxiety related stuff yeah yeah that's nice I like that thank you so much for taking your time thank Um, you for having me I hope this has been a nice distraction from everyday it has trust me doing this PhD stuff is uh, not as exciting as (laughs) talking about what all corona has done to me it has definitely <laughs> been a good distraction thank you i'm glad i have a lovely day i don't know you how to too. Say I don't no, know how to yeah i know same <laughs> it's just like constant keep going on okay i'm gonna stop <laughs> That's the end of the seventh episode. Again, I'm so honored that Jaya took some time for this podcast. I really hope that I was able to provide her with some distraction. She is an incredible, resilient person, just as all key workers are, and I cannot thank her and all of them enough. Jaya's confession that she doesn't feel 100% safe doing her job sadly did not surprise me, but it still hit home how much support our key workers need to do their jobs well and safely. In that spirit, I have put a link in the description below to donate to the NHS to enable them to provide their staff with the necessary PPE and I will be hosting a live fundraiser on my Instagram for the NHS on Monday 19th of May at 5.30pm GMT. Oh, so tomorrow. (laughs) Hope to see you all there. Let me know what you took away from this episode on my Instagram page, the link to which is in the description below. And if you are suffering from any of the issues raised in this episode, there are also links in the description to help. Again, thank you for listening. I really appreciate your support. So... Thank you. Tune in next week as I talk to Seb, an actor in London. We'll discuss the future of the TV slash film industry and his struggle with anxiety during this time. Finally, as always, I want to thank my sister Zhenya, not only for the logo and constant support with this podcast, but also for helping me orchestrate a new and improved look to my Instagram. I'm not sure of the launch date yet for that, but I will let you know. I also want to thank my fiancé Jamie for composing the theme tune, post-production support and generally everything he does. You can discover more of their talents on their Instagram pages, links in the description below. And of course, thanks to Jaya for generously devoting some of her precious free time to share her experiences fighting COVID head-on for this podcast. Thanks so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed it and that you'll join me again next week at home in the mind.